Good morning, Genesis Community Church and anyone else who might be watching on the live stream. We thank you so much for bearing with us and being with us during what is definitely an odd time for us. Uh, I've been so encouraged to just interact with some of you during the week, hear the ways that you are serving, that you are caring, that you are making the most of the time that you have, uh, and giving gender reveals or whatever else might be going on in your life. It's it's really, really good to see, and so we're grateful for it. I want to remind you or anybody watching, uh, you is in the church, anyone watching who might not be a part of our church, you can find all the up-to-date information about what we are doing at our website, genesiscommunity.church. Of course, this is Facebook Live. You don't have to have a Facebook account to see it, but Facebook Live at Genesis Community Church. You can share this if you do have Facebook with anyone on your feed, let them know that you are watching. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Hans. I get to serve as one of the pastors here, but I'm not the only one who gets to preach here. Uh, there are many people who are qualified, equipped, and desiring to do that. Uh, one I love uh, a lot is Matt Akers. Matt has a huge heart for this church, a huge heart for you, a huge heart for those in the world who don't know Jesus, and so we will get to hear from him today. Uh, before we do that, I just want to give a couple of notes. Uh, first, uh, we've made it through week one, and we don't know how many weeks left that we have. And with that in mind, we just have to remember during these times patience, and that our trust is in the Lord. It is not clearly not in uh, a market, clearly not in any specific person, clearly not in any specific government. It is in the Lord Jesus. That is what we need, and that is how we... Uh, get through moment by moment. Secondly, I would encourage you to interact with one another as often as you can, as regularly as you can. And so that may not be face-to-face -face right now. It could be FaceTime, a Zoom meeting, Skype call, whatever else you might have, but it's there for that. Also, I want you to stop and pray regularly. We don't want to get idle during these times, which can be hard because it's all different for us. Our kids are at home. We have kids at home. Uh, we're trying to navigate this world. We're just figuring out what to do while we're way less mobile than we have been. And with that, we don't want to lose the opportunity that is before us to pray, to consider the Lord, to engage those around us in the appropriate ways, and to give God honor in whatever season we are in. We do know this is temporary, uh, but temporary doesn't necessarily have a time on it right now. Like, oh, two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, a hundred weeks, we're not really sure. Uh, but we do know that as we adjust into this world, we have to be faithful and diligent and ready as believers in Jesus Christ to use these moments for Him. So I want to stop and pray for you. I want to pray for Matt Akers. I want to pray for the opportunities that we all have as a church family to engage those around us and pray that God makes the most of it. Because I know He can and I know that He will. So pray with me. You're there. Heavenly Father, we stop right now, recognize You as supreme, recognize You as good and glorious and great. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ which saves us. We thank you for the life that we have in him. And right now I pray for all of those watching, all those families, all the kids running around, that God, you can use this time for your purposes. We pray, God, for everyone connected to those who are a part of our church family, that there might be unique opportunities to share the goodness of Jesus, to share the message of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus with those around us. God, give us those opportunities even today. We know that you're good. We know that you care. We know, God, that you want to be known. And so might we, instruments, conduits of your grace, be able to do that. And finally, Lord, we pray for Matt as he continues on with us in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, and that we as a church family would bear that fruit, that you would use us, and that we would see it be evident the life of Christ in us is bearing fruit. So God, use this time. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So Matt Akers is <clears throat> one of our elders. You just heard him clear his throat. 
He is ready to come and deliver to you from the book of Galatians the fruit of the Spirit. And just briefly, as he walks up, which he's really up right there, like six feet away, eight feet away, um, socially distanced away. Uh, during these times, we get to see the difference between how maybe we want to live, which is maybe in fear, worry, anxiety for ourselves, the selfishness that exists, and then we see the way that God would want us to live, the way that He would like our lives to be evident. So in these moments where we're stressed, where we're at home, where we're at ends, where our kids might bother us a little bit, or our spouse might bother us a little bit, or we feel like we are worried about what might come and we don't know how to do it, and we're act absolutely out of control of any situation, that we just can't do it, it heightens the recognition of deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what Matt's going to share with you today as we keep marching through Galatians at the end of chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, deeds of the flesh, how do we walk in the Spirit so that even during this time we can make Christ known. Well, thank you, Hans. <coughs> what a great intro. You're welcome. Um, yeah, it is an um, interesting time we're in at the moment, but I think this is a wonderful word, timely message we have for us as we push on through uh, Galatians. It's really neat as you have uh, heard stories of some <clears throat> pastors who've thought, well, well, should we switch up the sermon or during a certain period of the, of the church or should we push on through with the, with the study we're going through? Uh, but oftentimes as you go on, you see how just the word itself speaks to us, even where we are in line of the path we're plowing, plowing through with the, with the scripture, and even as we're going through Galatians. But it's such a timely word, I think, and I think it'll be encouragement to you. But and um, I'm excited to preach it. But anyway, <clears throat> we're going to be looking at Galatians uh, chapter five, sixteen to twenty-five. But before we go in here, I want to just kind of look, kind of at what Hans was speaking of last week as a primer to where we're going today. Um, he mentioned a few things. For example, he's in, in Galatians 5, verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So here we see Paul is telling them to, to serve, serve each other in love, you know, which is fulfillment of the law. And so don't bite and devour each other, you know, be patient with one another, love each other. But wait, isn't that just another command? Love, you know, love, love your neighbor. How to, how can I follow this? It's just a command. It's hard to love my neighbor. It's hard to love, love those around me sometimes. You know, it's very difficult. I've tried. Uh, I do it, try to do it every day at work. My, or my, uh, the, the, the guy who lives across the street from me, uh, his leads keep falling in my yard. It's a pain in the butt. How do I love that guy? You know, so this is what we want to focus on. And because um, the truth is, it's hard. It's very hard. And so what the truth is, it's so much easier to react in vengeance. That's the natural reaction. It's what we want to do. But how do we love? Like for, for children, how do we love my little brother who keeps calling me names? You know, so what do we do? How do I love the person who gossips about me? So the truth is, the law is actually good. The law is wise. Summed up, we, we see that it says, love your neighbor. It's, it's a wonderful thing. But the law itself has no power, gives us no power to obey it. That's the thing. And when we fail to meet it, we just feel guilty, feel condemned. Is there any hope? What do we do? But yes, there is hope. In verse 16, Paul describes that. He's going to show us a solution to this dilemma. So Christ in us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to love each other, even in difficult times where we're living in now. So that's what we're focusing on. So the outline for today is we're going to look at Paul. He gives us a command, and he also gives us a promise of how we can fulfill the law. Then we're going to see that there's a battle raging inside. We will also see that the evidence of what the fruit looks like compared to the flesh. We're going to go there. And then we're going to see the power behind what gives us the ability to love our neighbor 
And then we'll conclude with practical applications of how we can actually walk in the Spirit. So anyway, that's where we're going. So Lord, I just pray that you be exalted. May I decrease and you increase. We give you praise in your holy name. Amen. So let's read Galatians 16 to 20, uh, 25. <clears throat> it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the spirit of the I'm sorry, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. So here is the solution to our problem. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Very interesting here. We first we see a command. Walk by the Spirit. We're told to do that. But we also see a promise. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's an encouraging thing. There is hope for those who are stuck in their rut that they are in. The difficult situation that they're in, the, the giving up sometimes. How can I love this person? So there is hope for us. And I just really encourage you to go through this. But anyway, the word walk in the word Greek in the Greek means to make one's way or to progress, to regulate one's life around. In this verse, it's a command which refers to a continual lifestyle as well. <clears throat> continual plodding through. A short explanation. What this means is just a, for, for us as a church, Christians in the church, is just a consistent commitment to prayer and the study of the word so that you think spiritually and day by day you yield yourself to those and you follow God as Christ commanded us to follow him. He will guide us and we follow. That's it. So walking daily, we never just come a time that we just arrive. We actually to, to take up our cross daily and follow him. It's a daily walk. We're not talking about sinless perfection. Um, Paul says it's a gradual thing, a daily thing, walk by spirit. So, like I said before, we will focus more on the particularities of how it's applied later. But what are the desires of a flesh? The word flesh in this verse means more than just your physical body, <clears throat> our human body. It includes our mind, will, and our emotions, which all are subject to sin. It refers in general to our unredeemed humanness it's the impulse in me that tries to get satisfaction without god so the evils that are specific specified in 19 to 21 pretty much expounds what this is that the flesh the very thing we want to change in us so the answer is to walk by the spirit and you will not gratify those desires pretty simple right that's all we gotta do walk by the spirit all right, Hans, we're finished. Let's cut this. I'm joking. No, <clears throat> the truth is, um, the truth is that there is a battle raging. <clears throat> the, if you go look at verse 17, it's amazing. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. There is a battle Raging, clear opposition. Have you, as a kid, played with uh, magnets and sometimes a science kit, you know, trying to make the opposites of the magnet connect together? It's impossible. It will not do it. You can hold it there, but if you, if you take your hand off, it'll just shoot off. It's actually fun to watch. My kids love to do that. <clears throat> um, but there's clear opposition between the flesh and the spirit. There's a battle raging against the flesh and the spirit. And uh, if there's a battle with sin... It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It just shows that there is actually a war going on. And a Christian is not a person who has no evil desires. It's just that he is now at war 
with those evil desires. Before we were a Christian, we easily yielded to every temptation. But now we detest him. We can now fight against him because of what Christ has done for us. He gave us victory. Now, if there is no, here's the thing here. If there's no battle inside of you, if you are actually content with your sin, then we have a problem. This is only just showing us that Christ is not in us. Holy Spirit's not there. You live in your sin perfectly. You are actually not a Christian according to the word. So that is a problem. So a battle is a good thing. No battle, it's a bad thing. So keep that in mind. True Christians have this battle, and we long for the day when this battle will be over. There will be complete victory, and that will come when we are with Christ forever and ever in heaven. Now, we will see in verse 24 later that Christ's death secured the victory over sin for us. Praise God. It didn't take away the sin completely. But it just ensures that we now can fight and have victory over this sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are free in Christ Jesus. Now, my question for you who are listening, is there a battle in you right now? Are you content with sin or do you fight against it? So I want to encourage you, if there's no battle, then repent right now. Turn to Christ. Let him save you. Let the Spirit dwell in you. And let the battle begin. So, how do you fight this battle? First of all, you cannot fight those impulses with the flesh. Paul pointed out earlier in Galatians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? No, impossible. You can't be perfected by the flesh with your own strength, with your own ability. Impossible. It just says, um, impossible as this... A new uh, gadget I, I developed, invented, for perfect renewable energy, all right? <clears throat> so if you turn this light on, it come, turn the switch light, it'll come on. Actually, no, it doesn't come on. This is not renewable energy. There's no way you can have power with this. If you plug something in here, it's not going to work. So there's no way for us to be able to battle sin on our own, in our own ability, in our own strength. There's no way. It's impossible. So I thought that was a cute illustration but so worldly means of battling sin is impossible to improve ourselves with fleshly means it's impossible now we see the world has many avenues they try to fight negativity or whatever but um for example new age or eastern religions they try to search for the inner peace you know uh or the, if you become a buddhist monk they just try to suppress all types of temptations you just go off in a mountain somewhere and and chant or whatever or modern psychology they try to use counseling methods to shift the blame for your problems on other people or your past or the, the your surroundings how you grew up so i remember um uh we were driving on stupid airline there's a there's a um there's a business called smash therapy um that you go in there and you beat up stuff. You smash things to get the frustrations out, to relieve stress, anger. But it doesn't deal with it. It's actually this, 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 um, this actually business is actually helpful if you have appliances you want to get rid of. One time, Yoshino and I brought a huge TV. It was like a bulb blew out and stuff. We got an upgraded one finally this year. Um, but we took it there. And we were wondering, where can we throw this? We can put it in a dumpster at work. What's a, a legitimate way to get rid of this thing? So we, we saw uh, next to my kid's karate class, <clears throat> this smash therapy. Please donate any appliances or whatever for free. Just drop it on our doorstep. So we did. This huge TV. We uh, dropped it off there. So I encourage you if you want to get rid of appliances. But anyway, if you don't want to contribute to this uh, business, don't do that. But anyway, there's a, a wide variety of ways that the world tries to solve their issues. No, uh we also see so many self-help books, 10 Steps to a Better You, to try to fight or the negative feelings about you. They try to boost self, boost your self-confidence, boost your self-improvement, your self-worth, your self-esteem. Now, um, you have to ask yourself, <clears throat> what are they trying to improve here? What are they trying to strengthen? It's self. Self is what they're trying to strengthen. Self, the flesh, the ego, the very thing we are trying to be at war with, the only thing that Paul is describing, what comes out of self is the sin. And so the, the works of sin. So we're going to see that here in a bit. But <clears throat> the very thing we need to destroy, Paul says 
In Philippians 3, 3, it's kind of opposite of what Christians are supposed to do. He says, we are to glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We're not supposed to boost the flesh, boost the ego. We are actually to die to that. So, just to be clear, it's impossible for a non-Christian to give in, to, I'm sorry, to grow in sanctification because the Holy Spirit is not in them. There's no way. But sadly, we have seen how the church has kind of used some of these methods. We see how it's creeped into the church. To people try to use these methods to fight sin. It's impossible. It will not happen. Uh, Paul says, all fleshly means are useless. We look at, um, uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. See that? We're not fighting with the flesh according to the worldly means, fleshly means. It says, for our weapons of our warfare, the way we fight, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So, how do we fight and have victory? It's not with the flesh, but it's through God's power. God designed the way He meant it to be. How do you do that? Galatians 5.16 Walk by the Spirit, and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. He acts, God gives us everything we need for life and godliness. We don't need to go anywhere else. So, so um, moving on, it's, it's really amazing how it builds up here. But in verse 18, it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. <coughs> you are not under the law if you are led by the Spirit. Now, not under the law means to not be under the curse. Uh, one part of the meaning is not be under the curse of the law. If we saw that um, Galatians 3.10, if you, if you break one law, you break all of them. This is why are you trying to follow the law? Because, in fact, we have all broken this law. Praise God. If we are led by the Spirit, then we are free from this curse. We are not under it. Praise God. Romans 8.1, there is different now no condemnation. We are set free from this burden. Now, also going, we can see how, regarding to the law, <coughs> um, we are free from the impossible burden to, bleed, to please God through the law, in our own strength. Praise God for that. So Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly for us. He carried that burden. He did all that for us. We are accepted by the Father because of His work for us. Praise God for that. Now, I love, um, <coughs> if you look at this, this, this yoke, if, if you go back to Galatians 5, in the same chapter, in verse 1, Paul said, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This yoke he's talking about, it's a yoke of slavery under the law, being under the law, under that burden, try to, to follow God in your own ability. It's impossible. Now, um, this yoke is, uh, if you worked on a farm or whatever, you've seen maybe um, a flannel graph papers when you're in Sunday school, maybe you saw, but a yoke is it's described uh, as you have these two oxen who would pull a plow or pull a wagon, there has the wooden bar that would go over uh, this ox, and the wagon would be attached to that, and the oxen would, would go forward, and the yoke strap on them would pull, help pull the, uh, the wagon. So anyway, it's a heavy burden, something that's very heavy that these oxen would have to carry. Now, that, that's what the terminology here. We're not under this yoke. We're not under this yoke of slavery. We're not under the law. Now, it's really interesting, if you bring this back <coughs> um, to Matthew uh, 11, 28 to 30, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am, for I am gentle and slow in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise God. This is such, liberating, such a liberating text. We are yoked to Christ. That's what it's referring to. Not yoked to slavery, bondage. Now, now the way the, um, uh, the farmer <clears throat> would train a young ox is that he would connect him with a much larger, maybe an older, maybe the father of the, of, the, of, the, of the baby ox or whatever, or an older brother or whatever, a larger, older male. He'd be connected to this. And basically what's going on is that male is training this baby ox. 
And all, most of the burden is on the male, the, the larger one. And he's doing the leading. He's doing the guiding, all the commands. He's pretty much, he, this guy just following, following along. This one's doing all the work, all the grunt work. So this is kind of what, what we're seeing here. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My, learn from me. I am, gentle, my, I am gentle and lowly in heart. So find rest for your souls. He's doing all the brunt labor. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's a, such a beautiful analogy to, to picture this. Now see how it applies to, uh, so, see how it applies to, uh, I'm getting signals here. Uh, much needed signals. Now uh, <clears throat> see how it applies to verse 18. Uh, Galatians 5.18, the first part there. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, that's how it points to Christ uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, not only did he die, but he is also helping us. He is, we are following him. So this word led in the Greek means to, be, to, to lead, to bring, to drive, to induce. It's not just us following him, but it implies to an active personal involvement of the Holy Spirit in guiding and directing us and him teaching us. That's what it means. This led, we are led by the Spirit. So it's more of him being kind of being a leader and enabling us to actually follow him. He's pulling us along. Not us kicking and screaming, but it's us willfully and joyfully and restfully and full of peace following him. That's what it's kind of referring to. Now, um, we see also... Um, we have this compared to verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, we are led by the Spirit. It's an amazing thing how walking is our responsibility, our acting. But he is, in verse 18, He is leading us, drawing us, is enabling us by His power. With His work, what He's doing. So we see our action, then His action. Verse 16 is our action. Verse 18 is His enabling power, His pulling and guiding. So we see it. It's a joint work there. And it's a beautiful, encouraging word as well. Now, it's amazing um, how we can see this in other verses that Paul refers to. Some examples. For example, in 1 Corinthians 5, 15, it says, But by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though... It was not I, but the, by the grace of God that is in me. So Paul is saying he worked harder than all. Hey, but it's not I, but it's Christ. God working in me. By his grace, he's working that in me. We also see, see this in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It says, work out your salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. trembling. But you see, if, if it was just left right there, it would be kind of depressing. But... We see the connector word, therefore, in the next verse. It says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we are told to work out of salvation. Then it's verse, next verse is, for God works in you. That's a wonderful, encouraging verse. One more, it says, in Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29, it says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we might present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So these three verses are so encouraging. Could we see an action here? But who is actually enabling the action to go on? All glory is through God. Anything good that comes out of us is only because of God. Now, our desire to walk is proof of his drawing us, his work in us. The evidence of is going to be the fruit. This was what we're going to see here in a bit. But this is so encouraging for us. Now, let's continue. Let me get a sip of my coffee here. Go to uh, uh, Galatians 5, verse 19. I'm pretty sure you're already there. So, it says, For the works of the flesh are evident. And he goes on. Pretty much, he's, the evidence means that the proof, the uh, uh, evidence of what's going that's what he's describing here. The, the proof of the flesh that's coming out of us is here. There's 15 deeds that Paul lists here. It's kind of grouped into three categories. Sexual sins, spiritual sins, and social sins. I'm just, I don't really have time to go through all of it, describing each one. I mean, let's do a whole sermon on, your, uh, on each one of these. You can do a sermon on it. But sexual sins obviously are sexual immorality, 
impurity, sensuality. Now, spiritual sins is idolatry and sorcery. Sorcery is tapping into anything spiritual that's without God. So stay away from that. Idolatry, focusing on anything, finding joy in anything apart from God. We live all for the glory of God. Anyway, social sins is enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies. And he says, and all, thing, all, all things like these. Pretty much, he says, this is not an exhaustive list. I mean, we have creative ways of making new sin. But, but anyway, that's what he's saying here. So, this is what naturally flows out of the heart of man. The marks of a non-believer. It's who they are. It's what they do naturally. Now, many church attendees in the South, you know, we know we need to stop. We, we should not do the big ones, you know, like adultery and and uh, sexual immorality, and drunkenness, and orgies of the like. But, but what we have to watch out for, um, things we overlook often, you know, strife, jealousy, dissension, divisions, envy. So oftentimes you see that. And oftentimes that's the most thing that destroys the church, cause division. That's a horrible thing. So Paul concludes with a warning in verse 21. He says, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a scary thing to, to hear. The eternal destiny of those who continually walk in the flesh. Like I said, just to be clear, Christians still have the tendency to do these things. We do sin. We do stumble and fall. But it does not mark us. It does not mark who we are. As I said before, a Christian hates sin and he will have, be at battle uh, against these sins while a lost person has no battle at all. They are content in the sin and they live in it. Live in it. Now, we can see uh, how this uh, describes, how this is described in John, the first John. Uh, we can see the difference of a non-Christian and a Christian. I think it's very clear we need to clarify this too. But in first John chapter one, verse six, <clears throat> it says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. There you go, walk again. If we say we are Christian, we by everyone knows we're Christian because we say, hey, I'm a Christian. But if we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice. So this walking here means a habitual walking. It's just what we do. We say we're Christian, but we are habitually walking every day, day by day. We're saying we're Christian, but there's no battle. We are content in sin, okay? We're, that's a false convert. Now, a true Christian is 1 John, and actually the next verse, verse 7, 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, of his Son, cleanses us from all sin. So, we see here habitually walking in sin, but now habitually walking in the light, walking in the truth, walking in the Spirit. This is so crucial for us. Not saying perfectly sin, sinless, but we're wanting to be examined by the light. We're wanting the light to shine on us. God, search me and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the path everlasting. That's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting God to shine our heart. Examine, like a, a crook runs away from the police station but you know, because he doesn't want to get caught. But we are intentionally going towards the light. God, show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to change. That's the, the clear difference here. And that's what we want, where we need to examine our own selves. Where are, where are we? And Lord, change me if I'm walking in sin. So, but the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> now, verse 22. Paul compares what the evidence of the flesh, and now he's looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit in this verse means a deed or action or a result of. The result of the work of the Spirit in a believer. The proof that the Spirit is there, is this is what's going to come out. We also see uh, three categories here. Basically, those uh, that affect our relationship with God, relationship, our relationships to those around us, and conducts of our Christian character. So, what are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, notice that Behavioral actions are not listed here. Like visible morality is not listed here. 
or religious involvement is not listed here, or proof of or an active ministry or outreach you're involved in is not listed here. All right. Like, for example, the Pharisees could fall into this type of a category. They had religious involvement and they did it very well. They were professionals at their religious involvement. But Jesus called them out. He said, you're a whitewashed tomb. You're pretty on the outside, but you're dead, spiritually dead on the inside. This is not what, these fruit, what this fruit shows or reveals. What it does reveal is the attitude of the heart, the character of it, of it inside of us. That's what's listed here. And these characters, these uh, attitudes are what actually motivate our actions. So this is what Paul is focusing on here. Now, true love for God, true love for others, genuine love for others, those who actually might hate you. To love, we are to love our enemy. You can't do that unless the Holy Spirit is working in you. We will lash out at our enemy. True joy in Christ in the midst of chaos. True peace in God through the midst of difficult times. We are content. We are rested quietly in our heart, knowing that God is in control. That is evidence of the fruit that's inside of us. There's, I can go on so many things. I wish you could have more time to dive into there, but, but I cannot. But that is just the evidence, the character that's inside that naturally will flow out of us only with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, these are clearly, the fruit of the Spirit is something you clearly cannot fake. Uh, the works of the flesh naturally come out of us. The fruit of the Spirit will not come out of us in our own ability. It has to be something that naturally grows through us by an outside source, and that is the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this on our own, our force fruit to come out on our own. I love, we see a beautiful picture is shown to us in John 15. Uh, verses uh, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. So we just basically see, as we abide in Christ, he naturally flows, his life naturally flows in us. And that life is what produces the fruit. There's no way we can, on our own ability, produce this fruit. It's him. He basically pushes it out of us. So, that's a beautiful mental picture we need to have. Is it all? It's all of God. It goes on. It says, "Apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. You'll be, you'll die, dry up and die." So, fruit is evidence of our salvation. Now, it's also interesting here. Um, uh, the fruit here, all of this fruit, is going to be growing in us. People might say, "Well, you know, I'm just a redhead. I get, I, I just naturally snap at people." Or it's just who I am. Or um, I just have this anger problem. I just can't help it. It's just who I am. I'm Irish or whatever. The truth is, no, that will not, uh, that, that's not an excuse. If God is in you, he will naturally flow it through you. As Dwight, or who was it, Dwight Schrute, he would say, uh, false, that won't happen. If the fruit of the Spirit is in you, God will tackle those things that you naturally, um, naturally, yield to in the flesh. You will grow in him, even in your anger or whatever that you lash out at people. God will tackle those things and help you grow. So, um, the power, look at the power behind this promise. Uh, if you look at uh, verse 24, and it says, those who belong, uh, Galatians 5, 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, this takes us back even to uh, the book of Galatians chapter 2, the same book here, verse 20. It says, I, my flesh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, my flesh, who live. But Christ Jesus now lives in me. See, our flesh has died. The power of sin is broken. We are no longer have to be slaves to this sin no longer. We, it says we are alive to Christ, alive in Christ. And He now lives through us. That's the power that is coming through us, that's living in us. So if we are alive because of the Spirit, we can now keep in step with the Spirit. That is the power behind everything. Now, um, it goes back, even what Hans was talking about last week, 
to even the Old Testament prophecy in Ezekiel 36, uh, 25 and 27. We're not going to read all of that, but just some key points is that it says, I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You will carry, I'm sorry, you will be careful to obey my rules. So, who is the main acting uh, person in this, this uh, text here? It's all, it's God. It's God doing it. God doing the enabling. And it says, the only thing you will do is to be careful to obey my rules. You know, he says, I will do this. I will put a new spirit in you. Give you a new heart. I will cause you to walk. And then it says, you will be careful to obey my rules. So, we see God's action and our action here. So, it's a beautiful thing here. That he gives us ability. It's his power working in us. So he changes our hearts, gives us a new desire. Our heart's desire now is to follow him. Now we want to do that. It's no longer a drudgery to follow the law. It's our desire to follow the law. That's the beautiful thing here. Now we will start hating sin more and more and start loving what he loves more and more. That's just going to be a natural thing that will grow in us. Proof of his spirits working in us. Now, on this ground is what gives us the ability now to walk. We can now walk in the Spirit. So, now how do you practically walk in the Spirit? How do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis? So when we stumble and fall and we just lose control and the flesh rises up and we, we yield and act, so what do we do? So, what I have to do daily often so I have to take up my cross daily. But first thing to do is confess, re repent, confess your sin, turn from it, turn from it, turn to Christ. First thing to do and pray. We need to ask the Lord. Uh, I like that in verse, chapter three, verse five of Galatians, it says, ask him, the one who supplies the spirit, to do it more and more. Give us more of the, of the spirit's ability, the power to fight it. The one who supplies the spirit, that's who we're praying to. And he wants to supply the spirit to us. Paul's prayer in 1 Thessalonians 3.13. Now may the Lord make you increase in love. There you go, the fruit of the Spirit. Cause the fruit of Him to be born to life in you. That's what the thing is. We pray to the one, to pray to Him to, to make us increase in love. I love these prayers that we're just pleading out to God to help us do what He has asked us to do. Now, we are also to repent, to pray, we're also to fix our attention on Christ. We are to daily be in the Word, daily gazing at Him, studying Him, gazing at His beauty, growing in our knowledge of Him, studying His many attributes, and meditating on all of His promises. I, I love uh, Jerry Bridges. He, he talked about how you grow in your desire for God. He says, uh, we have to study the love of God, His grace and mercy, and at the same time study the fear of God, the holy reverent fear to be in awe of God. Study all the attributes that point to that. His holiness, His righteousness, His omnipotence, His omnipresence, all these things. And as we focus on the love of God and the holy reverent fear of God, the natural tendency will be us to grow in our desire for God. That's a powerful thing we have to do and have to apply. So, so uh, and it also said Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes through hearing the word. That's true. As you're in the Word, faith will be built. Faith in you will be built. That's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to cultivate, to build our appetite for Him. Now, um, <clears throat> we've talked about walking. We've talked about abiding. Now, I also like, it says um, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, some of you probably heard this already, but, and, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to the next. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So as we are beholding him, fixing our, our gaze upon him, studying him, meditating on him, that's our part. And his part, the acting of the Holy Spirit is more like Christ. To be into the image of Christ means that the fruit of the Spirit, which is the image of Christ, is coming out. That's so amazing how we're to walk in the Spirit, Abide in Christ and behold His glory. We see a common denom denominator in all these things. It's our part in what God does through us. That's a beautiful thing. The problem we have is uh, 
is our sin promises satisfaction and we are deceived by it. Uh, Ephesians 4.22 says sin, uh, it, it describes it as deceitful desires. It deceives us. It tricks us. Wicked, tricksy, false. Exactly what sin is. Refer to um, um, Tolkien quote there. Uh, we think it will satisfy, but it continue, but and when we continually yield to it, it but it never satisfies us. Um, it basically leads us to the pig pen. Frustration is there. Condemnation is there. Guilt is there. Completely frustrated, knowing, craving for this crap, but it never satisfies exactly where the prodigal son was in the pig pen. Um, reason why we do this, reason why we yield to this, is because we don't know how infinitely satisfying Christ is. Only when we see how Christ is infinitely superior, only then we'll begin to have victory over sin. Moses is a good example of this in uh, Hebrews 11, uh, verses 24 to 26. It says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ better wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Christ, the reward. So we see Moses was able to weigh in. He was able to reject the fleeting pleasures. It's exactly what it is. Fleeting pleasures because of the reward. Now, I love um, what Psalms 16:11 says. If if you're I'm sorry, in your presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, we need to have something to compare sin to. Uh, if you have an infinitely understanding, uh, not an infinite understanding, if you have an understanding of how infinite, glorious God is, and how beautiful He is, and how incredible loving He is, and merciful He is, we grow in that capacity, we'll be able to see this sin is really not that attractive, you know? I love the old chorus, the hymn. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. So we need to have our eyes focused on the glories and majesties of God that will enable us to fight and fight and fight these deceptive desires of sin. So as Piper would put it, we, we need a Piper quote here. The fight of faith is the fight to stay satisfied with God. And that is our challenge. We have to be daily in the word, daily fighting the word. And people say, oh man, I've tried that. I just, I just, you know, it just doesn't work. Well, you have to fight it. Keep going after it. And uh, I love um, to always keep verses around me. You know, uh, I, I encourage people to do that. People uh, struggling with fear uh, or anger, sorry, with anger, and they're tempted to fight back. I love the verse. It says, 1 Peter 2.23, he says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not, not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Meaning, we don't have to fight back. God is the one who will, who will make it all right. And if I'm angry at someone... I can just rest on that. Go to this text and just let it, uh, just let it uh, simmer. Let my mind simmer and soak in this. And over time, that anger goes away. I don't have to retaliate. Or, or if, if I'm struggling with envy, or man, I wish I had that. Or look at that guy's truck, or whatever. First Timothy six, then seven and eight. For we brought nothing into this world, so we cannot carry anything out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. So, if we struggle with envy, we can go texts like this and just soak in it. No, we could just be content in whatever God has provided. We don't have to uh, fight and try to uh, motivate ourselves to build up, to earn this and that, to, to gain this truck or whatever. We are to be content where God has placed us and put us. So, and also with fear, especially during this coronavirus, if anyone's anxious or have doubt or fear, I love John chapter 14, verse 27. It says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So I just 
rest in this. I just go to this and let it soak in me. And um, these verses, all so many other verses, I, I go to all the time. And as I go into this, study this, and meditate on this, it's like as though the, the, the fear or the doubt or, the, or whatever just slowly just drifts away. And if that still is there, that, that fear is still there, I just continually go back to the Word. Go back, let it simmer. Go back, let it... And let it just do its purpose. And God fulfills His promise every time. Every time He fulfills His promise. So I just want to encourage you that if you're struggling with, with anger or you're struggling with your wife or in your marriage or have struggled at work with your co-worker or possibly right now there's just there's fear with the, the coronavirus or whatever, I want to encourage you to walk. Don't run to the things that this world will provide, the latest, greatest, whatever, the self-help book. We are to go to God. And also just walk, this whole thing about walking, it's a daily plodding along, a continual walk. It's not a run, it's not a jump, nothing fast. I know in America we love everything fast. Of course, it's not really fast uh, these past few weeks, but, uh, but we have to just plod along, faithfully go back to Him, faithfully abiding in Him, continual daily abiding, continual, uh, continual daily uh uh, fixing our eyes upon Him, beholding Him. That's the thing we have to do, and that's where we are. There's no shortcut to this. Now, I just want to encourage you to do this on a daily basis, especially during these dark times, these scary times. Just daily walk, daily soak in Him. Anyway, Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that you will just help them, Lord God, encourage them, strengthen them. We don't have to walk in fear. Lord, we have you. We have the peace that only you can provide. We don't... Because the world offers nothing for us that will give us that life-sustaining joy that comes from you, Lord. And that's what we want for each and every one of my brothers and sisters that are listening here and all those in our church and all those around us. And I just pray, use us during this time to, to love those who are around us, who have no hope. And I just pray, use us this time to really speak the gospel truth to those around us and, and love on those around us and be vessels of honor during this time. I just pray. That your name will be exalted in the church. In your holy name, amen. Thank you, guys.